HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? Learn more about Wisconsin's cheese-making history at wisconsincheese.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're ringing in the start of our fifth season with dispatches from Portland, Oregon's biggest food festival, Feast Portland. We're bringing you words of wisdom on launching a food business from food blogs. Most acquaintances from high school have now tried to start a food or fashion blog in some sense and quit very quickly afterwards. To ice cream shops. Every city you go to, the salt and straw is completely different than any other city. We'll bring you insights and anecdotes about the business of the business. We were like, cool, we're going to do this. We're going to try to raise $75,000 and we'll see what happens. And it was like the most gut-wrenching, miserable month. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. start what a wacky start to the show we're drinking dominican rum we are switching seats microphones are working they're not working it's crash bang boom everything is very con air in here it's haunted i'm wearing my noisiest bracelet i thought it would be great for all our listeners who like asmr nicole what the hell yes hello i need more information <laughs> you know what i've been listening to the past couple of shows that we've done together that's not your Diet Coke. It's, that one's full of bees. Don't no, I was that. mouthing that I oh. want one of these. <laughs> oh, okay. And your lip reading is very bad. Oh, this show has gone really bad. Oh, is that yours, Matt? <laughs> Drinking a little Diet Coke? I wasn't going to drink it. Matt's doing Diet Coke. Okay, listen. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. Uh, you were listening to the show. Oh, I was listening to the show. <laughs> I was listening to the show, and I was like, this is funny, Maybe Nicole's too funny because I'm just noticing that I'm, like, laughing the entire time. So, excuse me, <laughs> listeners, for my... Also, I have a terrible laugh. It's like, ah, ah, ah. I ah, know. Ah. I, 
don't like the sound of my voice either. I love the sound of your voice. I find it very soothing. I don't, it's just like too, it just sounds, I was talking to my sister about this because we had the exact same speaking voice. Uh-huh. It's like, it's just like too high pitched sounding on the radio. I don't know. Right. I just don't like it. But what, what, everyone hates the sound of their own voice. Yeah, I love the sound of my own voice. In fact, I, I listen to my own voice to put myself to sleep at night. <laughs> that No one would be surprised. <laughs> Narcissism, I'm alive and well. What was your week all about? What was the most delicious thing you ate this week? Um, it's so funny because I basically, like, I feel like every Tuesday my mind has been erased because mm. it's like the weekend happened and then Monday happens and sure. I come here straight from work. So I'm like, uh... But the nothing really interesting happened to me. I went to Coney Island on Sunday. Oh my gosh! Did you eat any hot dogs? I had a Nathan's hot dog for the first time this year, and it was great. Hot. What are you fixing? What do you do fixing wise? I just do ketchup and mustard. Oh, I love it. I really appreciate it. But I am curious why no sauerkraut. I just feel like I'm down with sauerkraut, but it's not something. If someone else is making me a hot dog and it has sauerkraut on there, I love it. But uh-huh. it's just not something I choose on my own. Interesting relish. No, I hate relish. I had a feeling you didn't like relish, but I'm surprised you don't because I know you don't like pickly things. What's the problem with relish? Most relish is sweet pickle relish, mm. which I hate sweet pickles. So if dill pickle oh. relish, I would love, but it's oh. very hard to find. Yeah, it is. Definitely not around like your normal condiment a station at Coney Island. <laughs> not at all. Dill pickle relish, if you're out there, please call Nicole Bailey. Mm-hmm. Her number is 347. Shut up. <laughs> That's not the area code of my phone. <laughs> I had a lot of catering gigs uh, this week, which I'm back to because I uh, <laughs> don't love my other job. So yes. I'm catering. But I, I mean, I'm actually really excited to get back into it. And I did this one gig for this gentleman who was fiery, smoking lava hot, had a giant apartment. There was a motorcycle in the apartment. It was a huge loft in Soho. However, here's a caveat, very tiny kitchen. And the oven shut off in the middle of us prepping for the party. Hmm. However, I was with, do you know my friend Gormel? Mm. Melanie, my coworker? Yeah, yes, yes, she's, yes, yes. She's a bit younger. She's amazing. I love we her met. dearly. Yeah. Um, she killed it, and we started just, like, grilling the steaks on the stove, and we, you know, roasted, like, fi- burnt sweet potatoes on the stovetop, and everyone was like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing food ever. And we hung out and drank scotch until the wee hours of the morning. Ew. It was fun. <laughs> is it like that? We catered, we've catered a couple of events in apartments where like the kitchen is like in the middle of everything so everyone can yes. see what's going on. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit tucked away, but everyone like gravitated towards us. But it was honestly like like a parody of cool people, but like they were actually really nice and cool. Everyone was like the best. The host was the best. There was a DJ. It was fantastic. Hmm. Anyway, long story short, I bought a little too much vegetables and I'm simply swimming in radicchio. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a ridiculous lover, call me. Okay. Um, that's about <laughs> it. I guess we went out to some good... We went to Ops last week after... We, oh, on Tuesday. Yes. Right, seven days ago. It was delicious. It was really nice. You encouraged us to get... Oh, yeah. I encouraged us to order perfectly for the number of people that we have, which well, is... What did we get? Great skill. Well, we got the mortadella pizza, which is called... I always forget what it's actually called. I know. I don't remember either. But blanket of pork. <laughs> pork blanket. It's just like the perfect pizza that if you eat meat, you should always order at Ops, I feel like. Yeah, it's delicious. And we got the calzone, and we got the square pie. Yes. And a big salad and a ton of wine. Yeah, that was very fun. <laughs> uh, today, we are talking... We're continuing our riveting three-part series on... The 90s? The 90s. Yeah. Is that what we're doing? I I need... 
I'm asking. We're on the air. <laughs> this is a live show. Um, we're considering we're uh, continuing our three part series on the 1990s. Also, I realized I didn't mention in the in the uh, havoc of what just happened at the top of the show, switching mics and everything. I didn't mention that this is life's banquet. Welcome to it. Oh, I'm Zara. That's Nicole. <laughs> what up? You're like, what am I listening to? Yeah, I really have no idea. You're awake, everyone. Um, okay, so we're doing part three of our three-part series on the 1990s. Today we're talking about food in film. Nicole, what do you got? So food in film, I feel like, makes this sound way more, like, academic than... That's true. <laughs> this, this, it sounds like a class you could take. Right. And this is more like, Nicole mentions a handful of movies <laughs> that have food scenes in them and laughs. Perfect. basically what I was thinking of. Amazing. So more like food on VHS. Yes. Okay, perfect. And as per my particular usual thing that I do, these are in no particular order. Great. um, Because who had the time to do that? (laughs) Um, So also, like, some of these are kind of gruesome, and it's just because of the 90s. It's not my fault. Okay. Like, what can can we do? The 90s happened. We all just have to deal with it. Okay. So I'm going to start off with The Silence of the Lambs. Ooh, spooky. (laughs) Very spooky Halloween film. (laughs) Um, and famously, he says, I'm, I ate his liver with uh, fava beans and Chianti. Um, but apparently, <laughs> in the book, he actually drank Amarone or Amarone? Amarone. Amarone. Um, but the movie execs were like, nobody's going to know what that is. Yeah. He has to say Chianti. Right. Um, and apparently, this is the most ridiculous thing. But um, according to the internet... That's actually a joke, like an in-joke, because if you are taking, like, MAOIs, uh-huh. the things that you can't, which are, like, inhibitors for trying to mentally, like, help mentally, it's, I think it's for depression, I don't know, supposedly that's what he would have been on Okay, for treatment, and the three things you cannot eat when you're on them is liver, beans, and wine. So he's oh. basically making this, like... <clears throat> Weird, super smart in joke that no one would get that he's not on his meds anymore. That's very inside baseball. Yeah. But I love it. I know. It's interesting. Amazing. I was like, oh, okay. Fava um, bean puree? What, I mean, I wish we knew a little bit more detail about these fava beans, to be honest. Well, it's interesting. When the movie came out, I was 11-ish, and yeah. I literally had never heard of fava I didn't know what that was. Yeah. I, and now you love them. Years later. Yeah. Yes, they're great, of course. Yeah. But um, years later, I was like, oh, yeah. And then as soon as they were like, fava beans, of course, I just immediately thought of the movie. So it's forever associated with that movie. I think for everyone. Oh, basically. yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is The Sixth Sense, which we're going to jump all the way to 1999. Um, and this just has like a, a food moment that has always stuck with me because it's disgusting. Um, is when Misha Barton playing the dead girl. Oh, yeah. She like throws up but in like that weird way she just kind of like it just like dribbles down the side of her face and it just like permanently stuck in your mind because you're like you're scared but you're also like what's happening um you're like what is she throwing up what is that oatmeal well apparently yeah it's it's like a breakfast cereal that she held in her mouth until it was time for her to pretend to throw up Uh, (laughs) because she knew she was getting poisoned right is that why well she yeah so like basically her mom what her stepmom was poisoning her, yeah. and so she's communicating with Haley Joel Osment right. that she's like, "Yo, help solve my murder mystery or whatever." Yeah, she's like, "Here's the first clue. It's Wheaties." Yeah, dribbling out of the side of my mouth. Mm-hmm. That's a deep cut. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think. Well, I feel like a lot of people have seen that movie so many times that it's not, but maybe not. Yeah. Do you know that Bruce Willis is actually dead the entire time? Oh, <laughs> I guess I've never seen the end, but. <laughs> 
Yeah. Do you know that um, Marissa Tomei almost played Tony Collette's character? Really? Do you yeah. know that you and your sister both look a lot like Tony Collette? We do know this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now everyone else does. Also, Haley Joel Osment, his dad is also an actor, apparently, and he made him read the entire script twice before his audition. Oh, wow. So that he would be, like, super-duper prepared. Well, he got the role, clearly. He did, yeah. Thank heavens. Yeah, but where is he now? He was perfection. Uh, Actually, he was just in something. He was? Yeah. Please, call us. Let us know. He was in some murder thing. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just going to continue down this gross theme, and then I'm going to try to end it on a higher note. Perfect. So. Uh, well, not gross, but kind of like dark. Mm. So, Goodfellas, 1990. Mm-hmm. There's a classic scene there, and, and I'm not going to talk about the probably maybe more famous scene where he's eating in prison, but the one where they're going. So, Henry, Tommy, and Jimmy stop by Tommy's mom's house to get a shovel to bury Billy Bats. I did have to look up some of these names. I didn't just <laughs> memorize this. Um, and she insists that they sit down and eat before she, they leave. And that woman is played by Martin Scorsese's mom. Oh my God. That's yeah. an amazing fun trivia fact. I know. Yeah, and that's a good... I was actually looking up different pictures this morning to try to post on our Instagram, and that was one of the scenes when they're all sitting at the house around the table eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic. Um, okay. <laughs> and then um, Seven. Never heard of it. It's a movie starring... What's Brad- in the box? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's that movie. Yeah, you have heard of it. <laughs> What's in the box? A pizza pie? Uh, no, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Spoiler alert. But, um... I guess edit that spoiler out. I don't know. Uh, it's a really old movie. But um, essentially, famously, one of the people that dies in that by the serial killer is basically forced to eat themselves to death. Oh, the gluttony. Okay. The, the yep. gluttony sin or whatever. Um, so I was like, what? How do you eat yourself to death? And so... <laughs> so you tried this week? So it's really... <laughs> the the truth is it's really graphic and horrifying. Um, but the first part is what I'm just going to talk to you guys about, which is that you have to eat five liters of food, which to me doesn't seem like that much food. <laughs> <laughs> think of a two-liter bottle, though. No, but, a, but like a liter is a quart container. And if you think about like the nachos at the Commodore, for example, <laughs> you could probably fit... Most of that plate in a quart container. And I could definitely eat five <laughs> orders of nachos from the counter. I, well, maybe not definitely. I would become uncomfortable at the end. First of all, I don't think I would. It doesn't seem like I would die. Well, apparently, <laughs> according to the internet, you would. Well, that's at least five liters of food. That's so, so much, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, I, I honestly, I think it's just hilarious that I was like, five liters? Not that much. I think it's hilarious that you think that wasn't I actually agree. I mean, okay, how many is five, how much is five liters in gallons? Because I would think like two gallons of food would kill you. Well, there's four quarts in a gallon. Okay. So then how many liters are in a quart? How many quarts are in a liter? Well, a two? liter. A liter is almost a quart. Like a oh. liter is actually a little bit less than a quart, but oh, you can base, you can kind of do like a one to one for okay. estimating how much food to kill you. Um, yeah. So basically, four quarts is one gallon, mm-hmm. and then you have one quart left over. Doesn't seem like that much. It doesn't. What do you think the food that you could eat five quarts of the most easily would be? I just said it's the Commodore. Nachos dishes. from yeah. the Commodore. Okay. I feel like it would slow you down with the cheese after a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Um, for me, I think that I could eat the mo- five liters of. I, this is going to sound disgusting because I'd start to feel sick and probably get some kind of poisoning. But I love, and I never eat this ever. But mussels. Oh my god! But that dude, you in order to eat five liters of mussels would be so. <laughs> well, I'm thinking the shells. 
included. No. I'm thinking that the shells are included in the court. In the liter. No, because the... Oh, you just mean like five liters of straight muscle meat? Because we're measuring how much it has to ingest into your body before it kills you. That's a lot. I don't know. Just muscles wouldn't not work. Maybe hollandaise sauce? (laughs) (laughs) Almond butter? If you ate five liters of almond butter, you would definitely die. That would be instant death. I almost... A couple years ago, I was eating, I'd say, at least a cup of almond butter each each morning for breakfast after I worked out. And I was like, this is healthy. And then I gained like 10 pounds. I was like, get out of here, almond butter. (laughs) It's an almond butter's fault. One serving is like a tablespoon. (laughs) All right. Okay, Okay, sorry. No, it's fine. It's my fault. Um, Okay, so I think that is... All on the... Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. There's one more that's kind of dark. Um, so, hilariously, I was researching this today, um, but The Lion King, 1994. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, <laughs> apparently, Simba, when he leaves the pack and he joins Timon and Pumbaa, uh-huh. Hakuna matata around, sure. he, if he was an actual lion instead of a cartoon lion, he would not be able to survive on bugs. And in fact, most likely he would have just eaten Timon and Puma. Because <laughs> they are his natural prey. And I was reading this and I was actually surprised, we, stupidly. It's like, I'm like, I just believe in the story of the Lion King so much. I know. And then one of the delivery guys came in today and I was like, did you know? I was like, that the Lion King is a lie? And, and that Simba would have... Is his name Simba? Is that his name? Yeah. Yes. He would have eaten Timon and Pumbaa. And he was like, yeah, they're like little tiny animals. He would have eaten them. And yeah, I of course. Like, I was like, right. Okay, sorry. That's I should have known that. I should not be surprised by this information. Dude, that's one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> i got to be honest with you. So that whole friendship arc <sighs> is a lie. Yeah. And that thing. So. Oh, man, my childhood just went up in flames. <laughs> okay, so now less, I think, to... People eating other people and dying and all that stuff. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, which you actually posted mm. on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that scene where Robin Williams, rest in peace, shoves oh. his face into like the the thing about the movies. It's so funny. It's like there is, I mean, there is like it's probably like a, a meringue frosting or something. Mm-hmm. But there's there is no such world where like a cake is just sitting. Or a pie is just like sitting in the refrigerator uncovered with like a beautiful, perfect frosting for you to shove your face exactly. in. But it's movie magic, so. Well, my, yeah, my question is like, someone just made this. Like, in case anyone wants like a, a perfectly frosted cake this week, like, that's not how people tend to eat. Like, oh, I've just made this for us to pick at throughout the week <laughs> after school or whatever. Yeah. Also, aren't they at his apartment? Is yeah. That? Yeah. So, like, there's no way a single recently divorced bachelor i mean not no way but like seems unlikely i know have you ever seen the movie nine and a half weeks yes Uh, you know how like they open the refrigerator and start (laughs) fucking with all the food and like kim basinger who's like anorexically not anorexically thin but just a thin model woman happens to have like every kind of food in her fridge including like a jello mold like what kind of sexy babe has a fucking jello mold oh this is just for me to bring i'll bring a slice to work or just cuddle up and Watch Matlock to this Jello mold. Probably, I guess what we're, we're it's the unseen worker of their maid. They both must yeah. have had maid cooks. That's right. They're like, I'll just put this Jello mold in the fridge. Like, Please have this Jello mold ready for me when I come home tonight at midnight. <laughs> to have sex with Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Yeah. No, Mickey Rourke. No, <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Yes. Okay. Um, but the scene in Mrs. Delphi that I actually like and quote the most is the part where. 
Robin Williams, as Mrs. Doubtfire, throws some sort of fruit at Pierce Brosnan by the pool. And then he's like, what happened? And she was like, oh, it was a run by fruiting. And it's the stupidest <laughs> line of all time. But it's so funny for some reason. And I enjoy saying it even today. Can I just like quickly recant with you uh, and tell our listeners that we wrote a piece about Father's Day for Lenny Letter, which they never ran about. It was just a, it was a synopsis of the film Mrs. Doubtfire written from the perspective of the youngest daughter. And it was just like uh, talking about like a daughter remembering her father and the weird things he did. Do you remember that? I do remember yeah. that. It was really fun. It was very fun. Um, also, just, like, feeling betrayed that, like, the it's just, like, a, like, twisted perspective of, like, I can't believe that Mrs. Doubtfire was not my father, and then I found out that it was my father, and, like, just, like, <laughs> displaying the actual, like, kind of effed up story, which is that, like, someone's dad impersonates a woman <laughs> and comes into their home to take care of them, and, like, it's tricking them the entire time, and it's insane. It's insane. Uh, okay. Moving on to... <laughs> Other movies that are also kind of insane is Jurassic Park, one of my favorite movies of all time. I probably talk about it on every podcast that we do together. We should mention, <laughs> make a point, please, mentioning it every time. Um, so it's just 1993, greatest movie of all time. The two scenes that stick out for me is the classic Jello scene where the two kids have like already like they're on their own. They manage to make it back to the compound where all the food is. And they're, like, having a great time. They make these giant plates for each other. It's, like, a hilarious scene where the little boy is, like, putting all this junk food on his plate and the girl's putting all this health food on her plate. Um, and then she's, like, holding up her fork and she has jello on her fork and then they see a dinosaur walk by and it's just, like, shaking in her hand and she's making these, like, crazy scared eyes. And it's, it's a just great like, scene. Um, great. It's forever in my mind. And it's movie magic. The other scene is um, when... Richard Attenborough, is that the brother that, whatever, the older man who starts Jurassic Park's name, I can't, his name. Oh, Sir Richard Attenborough. But is it Richard or his I don't brother? Know. Okay. Dick? Dick Attenborough. <laughs> anyway, one of them did that and the other one Mickey narrates Rourke. those um, documentaries about the earth. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Also, one of them is dead, but. Um, R.I.P. <laughs> basically, he's sitting with Laura Dern and they're like far away from each other at this long table and they're just eating the ice cream that was supposed to be like the celebratory ice cream and they have this conversation that's always been confusing to me where they're like arguing and she's like that's what the power of this place is but like the dialogue is like kind of confusing like I'm always just like but she's just like eating another moment where like we should stop talking about this stuff because body image needs to be better but I, I was always like young and had struggled with my weight and yeah. like seeing like super hot thin Laura Dern eat like 14 different kinds of ice yeah. cream I was just like <laughs> I was like, what? I don't understand. Um, but so that ice cream scene is always also stuck in my mind. Yeah, that's um, a great scene. That's okay. a great movie. And the final one that I will do... Oh, no shit. Sorry. That's no problem. I have two. So Go ahead. Second to last is You've Got Mail, which Amazing. is one of my favorite movies of all time, of course. Same. Um, but the thing about this movie is that... Um, and I think about this a lot, but only kind of recently. Um, but Tom Hanks basically is a monster in that movie. Like, he is like a complete... America's sweetheart, Tom but, Hanks. Yeah, you're right. He is. I mean, but that—that's the whole thing. Is like because yeah. because it's played by Tom Hanks, you like don't realize it. I mean, you realize it because it's set up for like multiple plot points. But then like it's juxtaposed with like him hanging out with his dog, and like it seems like everything's fine. Um, but in reality, he's a total asshole. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. Um, but because it's Tom Hanks playing it, you just like, I don't think you fully believe it. You just like, no. But also like, 
no one would date Parker Posey's character in that movie unless they were a total monster and they're like living together. Anyway, um, but this, <laughs> the food scene in this that also like illustrates Tom Hanks being a total monster is the scene where they're at a holiday party together where they finally figure, like Kathleen Kelly figures out that he's, I can't even remember the name of the guy. Whatever, he's the bookstore Santa owner. Santa Claus. No, he's the bookstore <laughs> owner. Um, oh, Fox. He's yeah. like Fox Books, whatever. Um, and she, they're like standing around the food, like fighting around the food. And then all of a sudden during the fight, there's like a caviar garnish around like this weird egg something or other. And he like starts to scrape all of the caviar off and put it on his plate. And she was like, what are you doing? She's like, that caviar is a garnish. And then he takes his spoon and just like takes all of the caviar <laughs> off of the entire plate and just puts it on his own plate. Rude. Which is a, Huge dick move. Huge. Um, and Tom Hanks is a monster. The other thing about that started getting me thinking about how Tom Hanks is actually a monster in that movie is that Nora Ephron herself, apparently during the DVD commentary, mm-hmm. it's like the story of their love is basically the question, could you fall in love with a Republican? Because, oh, interesting. Because he's totally a Republican. He yeah. has a freaking boat. Totally. He, you know, like, and I was just like... That's fascinating. But the magic of the movie is so that you're just like, <clears throat> no, Tom Hanks isn't a Republican. Yeah. Because he's still Tom Hanks. Right. He's not like Joe Fox. Yeah. Um, which I thought was The head of Fox News. Um, anyway, finishing up, Big Night. Ah, oh, the best. 1996. Louis Prima. Um, I mean, it's just like a wonderful movie. If you've never seen it, you should definitely watch it. It's so good. Stanley Tucci. Um, what a guy. What a my uh, high school art teacher was like engaged to him. Really? Mm-hmm. It didn't work out. It was the love of her life, though. Wow. Call her. <laughs> also, Campbell Scott. He co-wrote it with Campbell Scott, mm-hmm. who is the child of George C. Scott and Colleen Dewhurst. Oh, I didn't know that. Hot power couple yeah. in the 70s. Sexy. Um, and anyway, so I'm just ending with a nice quote from that movie, which is, to eat good food is to be close to God. That's amazing. I love it. On that note, let's take a break. That was phenomenal. Since the mid-1800s, before Wisconsin was even recognized as a state, its resident cheesemakers have been putting the art into artisan cheese. When early settlers from Switzerland, Germany, and Italy came to Wisconsin, they brought their cheesemaking expertise with them. They chose Wisconsin because the terroir reminded them of the homes they'd left behind in northern Europe. The soil and water of Wisconsin is nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin's cheesemakers draw from their rich European heritage and cheesemaking traditions, and combine them with incredible innovation to produce half of the nation's specialty cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers never stop experimenting, trying to improve, and dreaming of your next favorite cheese that has yet to be imagined. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. I couldn't possibly. <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> okay. Well, everyone, welcome back, Nicole. Thank you for that. That was an amazing uh, kind of deep dive down some of the different favorite highlights. Actually, you know, there was a lot of ones in there that I wasn't expecting. Like, I wasn't expecting you to talk about the sixth se- the sixth sense. The sixth sense. That is hard to say. Yes, it is. Okay. I'm going to bring you back to what I think might have been the most pivotal and important year of the entire decade, the year 1994. Yes. 
So, Bill Clinton is president. He's being impeached. <laughs> but it didn't work. It didn't work. Just try to get a man out of office for <laughs> smoking a cigar that's been in someone's vagina. O.J. Simpson, murderer, on the run from the law, allegedly. Uh, Fred and Rosemary West are arrested for being horrible serial killers. Unfortunately, America's true hero and sweetheart, Wait, are Fred and Rosemary West the British? Yeah, they're the British. They drive around and like trap, trick them. Drive okay, around, kill people. Yeah. Uh, lots of young women. It's terrible. Um, Kurt Cobain commits suicide. Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley get married. Huh. And Friends goes on the air. Friends. Friends. Uh, a totally realistic show. A bunch, a bunch of white friends living <laughs> in a huge apartment, but none of them have jobs. Um, they do have jobs. I mean, what do they even do? I, I don't really like Friends. Oh, well, I'm a huge fan. Um, You're a I, huge friend? I'm a huge friend and a huge <laughs> You're a friend fan. of the show. I'm a friend of the show Friends. <laughs> Um, but I can't just list off every uh, job that they had because that would take too much time. Okay, but perfect. They well, did have some jobs. I'm going to assume that they're all sex workers, which is fine. That's fine. Okay. Um, so the top movies, Forrest Gump, The Lion King, The Crow, Jim Carrey has three hits. Oh, my God. Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Ace Ventura, which I thought was pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, Can that's... Can you imagine? Also, like, the... the the Mask is Cameron Diaz's first, like, big movie. That's, like, what made her famous. I know. Isn't it just, like, nuts, though? Like, that doesn't happen anymore. There aren't stars like that who get three giant movies a year. No. I mean, Phoebe Waller-Bridge or whatever her mm-hmm. name is is doing that. Could be The movies aren't the only thing anymore. So, like... Yeah, that's true. She kind of had that happen with two shows. Yeah, that is true. She's she great. She became America's sweetheart, even oh my. though she's British. She's amazing. Um, okay, some other movies that year. True Lies, Natural Born Killers, Serial Mom, Speed, Shawshank Redemption, and Airheads. Oh, yeah. And, of course, what I think is the greatest movie to come out of the 90s, and maybe one of the best movies of all time, <laughs> Pulp Fiction. So, Pulp Fiction is nominated <clears throat> in the 1995 Academy Awards alongside Four Weddings and a Funeral, Quiz Show, Shawshank Redemption, and Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump wins another food-related movie. We all know about the chocolate and the shrimp and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. David Letterman is the host. Tarantino wins Best Screenplay. It's one of only two Academy Awards that he'll ever win. He wins Best Screenplay, and then he has an act. Christopher, Christopher Waltz wins Best Supporting Actor for Inglorious Bastards. I oh. think that's strange. He's so talented. Okay, so let me get it into uh, Pulp Fiction world of food, because I thought this was really fascinating. The use of food in Tarantino movies, I mean, when you really think about it and you start you know, thinking back on all your favorite or least favorite Tarantino films, um, they're heavily reliant on food. Food makes a big, a big, uh, hello in basically (laughs) every Tarantino film. But we're here to talk about Pulp Fiction. So the very beginning of the film, the diner that is held up by pumpkin and honey bun played by Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer was actually called the Hawthorne grill and was on Hawthorne Boulevard in South LA near the airport. Um, it stood empty a while after the film, and now it has been demolished to make way for an auto zone. Oh, you're in the zone, the auto zone. <laughs> also, auto zone! I'm pretty sure, well, I could be wrong about this. I think that at one point there was maybe a tour in L.A. that you could take that showed you all the restaurant places. That, oh, really? I don't know for sure. But. Huh. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think yeah. you can do that in New York, too. Um, okay, Pumpkin and Honey Bun were both food names, and so a lot of people speculated that that was on-purpose thing. However, Honey Bun was actually named after a real-life bunny (laughs) of the woman who uh, typed up the screenplay, uh, the script for Pulp Fiction, because Tarantino hand-wrote it. And so as a payment to her, he said he didn't have any money, so he said he would name Honey Bun 
the character. So he's like... Honey bunny. He somehow found some lady to type up his script who had rabbits. <laughs> yes. And then he was like, who do you want me to name a character after? And she's like, my rabbit. Yeah. Isn't honey that funny? Bunny. My only friend. I, <laughs> my one true friend and <laughs> husband, honey bunny. <laughs> um, so then the next scene in the film, we have Jules uh, played by Sam Jackson and Vincent played by America's sweetheart, John Travolta. Um <laughs> Talking about the Royale with cheese, and then talking about putting mayonnaise on fries and Holland instead of ketchup, which they both think is nasty. What instead of ketchup? Mayonnaise. And he's like, in Holland, they put mayonnaise on fries instead of ketchup. Oh, right. I mean, back in 1994, that was not done, except for in Holland. It was very, very uh, taboo at the time. Um, So then they go into the apartment where the characters, you know, three guys, uh, four guys who end up getting shot eventually are all eating big kahuna burger early in the morning. And the famous scene where Sam Jackson takes the burger from Brett and washes it down with the soda and has all that looks like a tasty burger. Right. Now, interestingly enough, when Sam Jackson went to interview for the role, apparently he had got it and then lost it to someone and had to go back and interview. And he was starving and he came from the airport with fast food with him and ate it as he was reciting the lines, reeking of fast food. And like, everyone was like, this is the most intense thing ever. And he got the role. So he like, didn't care enough about the role. I was not un- eat. I was it? unclear if it was just cause he was hungry or who was doing it. Cause he wanted to actually like be in the character who was, huh. maybe he was reading the lines of that part. I don't interesting. know. The choices of actors. I know. Interesting. It is very interesting. Okay. Other fun fact, which I knew already, but just to tell all the rest of the listeners and you, if you didn't know, that uh, the Big Kahuna Burger chain first made an appearance in Reservoir Dogs when Mr. Blonde goes and gets a burger and soda from the uh, burger joint after the Diamond Heist. You can see the logo on the cup of the soft drink. Is it a real burger place? No, it's a Tarantino burger place that he puts in a lot of movies, though. That's interesting. There was a Big Kahuna Pizza in my hometown. Oh, really? That we would order delivery from all the time. Pineapple pizza? Yeah, I mean, I don't like that, but my mom would order it. That can go to hell. Yes. Um... So anyway, then later on, Big Kahuna Burger appears in the mo- a movie that he wrote and starred in called uh, Dust Till Dawn about vampires. As we all know, G- George Clooney uh, had bangs in it. And then in four... <laughs> it's a Caesar haircut. <laughs> that's what that's called. <laughs> also probably popular in the 90s, I guess. Dude, that's the worst haircut. I'm sorry. I don't have any respect or time for men with bangs. <laughs> Get out not, of here. First of all, I mean, I think technically those would be called baby bangs. And also... <laughs> I I just think that I have definitely have a memory of like being attracted to that haircut. Oh really? Yeah. So I'm like Ooh. I now recognize that it is not. Attractive. She bangs. But like the '90s is a hard time. Fashion, it, everything was crazy. It was haircuts were out of absolutely out of control. <laughs> um, and then it also appears in Four Rooms and Death Proof. The chain does. Yes. Great. The bangs. No, the chain. Um, okay, so later in the film, one of the most famous scenes about food in the movie is when they go to Jack Rabbit Slim's, which is the 1950s style of diner. I don't know if anybody knows this, but the waiter who waited on them dressed like Buddy Holly is Steve Buscemi. Yes. She orders a $5 shake. Um, Vincent orders the Douglas Skirk steak, cooked bloody as hell, and a vanilla Coke, which, what do you think of vanilla Coke? Remember when there was flavored Coke back in the 90s? There I mean, was like mint Coke and vanilla Coke. It still exists. Oh, okay. I, there's a steak, steak and shake is part of my childhood. So okay. I love vanilla Coke and also vanilla Diet Coke, Ooh. which is such an oxymoron. Matt, you hear that? Vanilla Diet Coke? <laughs> but not I in a can, though. Never, ever. <laughs> I don't really? like the cans. I'm just the fountain drink. It's it me, Miss Matt. Um, okay. <laughs> and she orders the Durwood Kirby Burger Bloody as Hell and a $5 shake. 
And then they ask, how do you want that Martin Lewis or Amos and Andy? To which she replies, Martin Lewis, which is a vanilla milkshake. Um, it's one weird thing. So they have the whole bun set on the side with the tomato and lettuce and, and whatever when she gets her burger. There's also a giant slice of watermelon on the side, which I always thought was very strange. There is? Yeah. Is that just like a weird tomato? Uh, no, it's it's definitely watermelon. Huh. It's very, very strange. Um, also in Reservoir Dogs, there's a scene when you listen uh, on the background of the radio where there's a commercial for Jack, Jack Rabbit Slims. Cool. I know. It's very cool. So a couple other uh, parts of the movie where eating is featured. Uh, Lance, the guy who is the drug dealer, is eating a giant bowl of fruit fruit cereal. Um, his character is rumored to supposed to be played according to Courtney Love by Kurt Cobain, and she was supposed to play Rosanna Arquette's character. Mm. Um, Quentin Tarantino denies this. Uh, Fabian, <laughs> Fabian, who is uh, Bruce Willis's girlfriend, uh, was describing the decadent breakfast she wanted to have with blueberry pancakes. Um, Butch, obviously, when he uh, Butch is, um, uh, oh my god, what is? What is wrong with me? Uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, sorry. Bruce Willis. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm having like really big brain issues lately. (laughs) Um, So Butch, uh, Bruce Willis's character, is is, uh, toasting a cinnamon toaster pastry when he kills Vincent just as the toaster dings up. Um, Is it a toaster strudel? I think it's a pop tart. I think it's a knockoff pop tart, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong. Call us and let us know. Marcellus Wallace carrying a box of donuts and coffees before he gets hit by the car. Oh, yeah. And then. that when they're at the Wolf's house, Harvey Keitel, and they're drinking his perfect famous coffee. Jules and Vincent are doing the last scene uh, that they were together at the diner, talking about eating bacon and how swine is a filthy animal. Yes. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of food <clears throat> in it, and I was reading about why he relies on food so heavily um, in all his films, and people were saying that it's uh, a storytelling device that makes kind of typically frightening or gangster-like characters a little bit more nuanced and more relatable. More relatable, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, like, people just doing normal things. Like, when Bruce Willis is making a toaster strudel or a Pop-Tart or whatever the fuck it is, it's, like, this interesting common thing that everyone would do, and it's so basic and it's not fancy, but then he kills someone. It's just very interesting because I think a lot of times in films, if the film isn't specifically about food, there's a tendency, like, that people just don't eat. You know? Just like assassins, they're just like us, right? Which yeah. Is also, like the theme of that Natalie Portman child movie that she's in, where she's with the assassin. What is that movie? <laughs> the Professional. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great movie. Um, so anyway, some other things in Tarantino films, not necessarily the '90s, but there's a lot of scenes in kitchens. There's like a that scene when Bridget Fonda and Robert De Niro are screwing a Jackie Brown in the kitchen. There's the scene in the kitchen when Uma Thurman kills Vivica Fox. Oh yeah! Wow. Um, yeah, there's that's, that's the, like the whole fight scene is. In yeah, yeah, there's the rice scene when she's trying to eat rice at Uma Thurman and Kill Bill after she's been <laughs> training. Yeah. Django Unchained has like Leonardo DiCaprio eating sweets the whole time. There's the strudel scene in Glorious Bastards. Uh, and then just in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a ton of different, like, cocktail and drinking and eating things. And they go to that Mexican restaurant. Exactly. Like, juxtaposed. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I thought that was really kind of fascinating yeah. about his use of food. And there's a lot of articles out there about it that kind of detail. It's a known thing, which I guess I just never really realized until I was like, what 90s movies? And I was like, $5 shake. Right. Well, it's funny because, I mean, the $5 shake thing... Of course, but when I think of Pulp Fiction, which I've seen a million times, I, the food stuff I don't think of. I yeah. just think of like the whole, the cohesive whole. But like part of the reason why it was so good is because it made 
you be like, oh, the bad guys are real people. I don't know. It's yeah. Like, that's just part of, like, the whole of it that made it so cool. Totally. Like, even when you just see them after they shoot Marvin and they're dressed and, like, and then they're in the diner and they're in their T-shirts and, you know, weird shorts and stuff. Like, it is it is kind of, like, a real humanization of otherwise, like, a very kind of fanciful gangster characters that we see in film. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty interesting. On that note... Do you have any recommendations for making a perfect $5, $10, $15, $2 milkshake? What are your milkshake tips? Okay, so I so I think that I don't actually know how to make a milkshake, but I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, my mom my mom would make milkshakes for us all the time. So she would just be using like Briars ice cream or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pretty sure she would and then she would put it in the blender and then she would put milk in there. Mm. Um I guess to make it milkshake consistency. Yeah. Um, and then she would put like chocolate syrup or something. She would just kind of like put some other stuff in there, like Oreos or something to make it like almost probably like a blizzard or something. Ooh. Um, but I was thinking about this the other day cause I was like, is that actually, I was like, I actually don't know how to make a milkshake. I'm like, I feel like if you just take ice cream and put it in a blender, it is a milkshake. Like you don't need to add milk. Agreed. So I don't know exactly. I don't know what the deal was there, but on another note, she one time put pudding in there. <gasps> so... She, like, took ice cream, I think milk. I could be totally making up that memory. Um, and then put some chocolate pudding in there and made it all together and, then like, put them back in the freezer for a second. And it was amazing. I made it eat it with a spoon. It was really Whoa, good. Whoa, that's amazing. That sounds so good. But, like, I don't have a recipe. I, like, I don't know how much. <laughs> but you can figure it out. Pudding shake. Yeah. My uh, recommendation would be to use freeze-dried fruit, like freeze-dried right. strawberries or bananas, because then you can make a nice milkshake without getting any excess water in there. And so but you can have, have a thicker shake. But what if there's no fruit involved at all? Oh, well then, you know, you can just go straight to hell. I mean, <laughs> I don't drink milkshakes. To be honest with you, I'd never make a milkshake, so I don't fucking care what you do. Yeah, and all right. I, I don't know how to do it either. Let's think about, let's use your brain a little bit. You are a chef. Like That's if you true. If you had to use a blender mm. in the 90s. Sure. And you had at your disposal ice cream, pudding, <laughs> milk. <laughs> I think I'd make it savory. I'd make like an Alfredo milkshake. That's disgusting. I'd put pasta in it to thicken it up. Oh my God. <laughs> Lots of black pepper, some bacon bits, a carbonara. No. Yeah. Also, the time it would take for all that to freeze. Mm. It sounds gross, doesn't it? Yes. Savory milkshake? It's like very Iron Chef, which is another 90s thing. Oh, we should Which do we food. never talked about we yet. We should do food and TV. Also, I'd like to mention that one day randomly at Brucey, I think I've probably said this before on the show, it was like the first year we were open and I was very burnt out and tired and I was doing the menu for the day because we changed the menu every day and we had tagliatelle on the menu every day and I said to the manager at the time, Haribi Kai tagliatelle. <laughs> and so she thought it was funny. So at the last minute, we made an entire themed Pulp Fiction menu. We had a huge banner and renamed the restaurant Jack Rabbit Slims. We had a $5 shake. We had like great, I don't even remember what some of the other things, some kind of exploded head thing. I don't know. It was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it was also, really weird. Y- what was in that fucking shake? You guys had- Oh, I don't know. I don't even think we had a shake. <sighs> I think we just, like, said it. Or we, like, pureed, like, ice cream sandwiches. Um, okay. But people were like, why are you doing this? Because it was the first <laughs> thing we'd ever done at Bruce and It was, like, so random. It was, like, a Friday night. People were, like, trying to have date night. They heard about this cool new restaurant. And they're like, I don't get it. And we're like, we don't really get it either. <laughs> makes, like, shut up. Makes no sense. <laughs> um, so what are your top three favorite food movie scenes? So I'm just going to pick from my list of already movie scenes that kind of just came to mind. Although you listed so many movies about like the 90s and I was like, oh yeah, that movie. Oh yeah, that movie. But I know. there's no time. So 
Um, the scene in You've Got Mail, where Tom Hanks proves that he is actually evil by mm. scraping all of the caviar garnish off of that dish. Third bag. It's just, like, inexcusable. Go to hell, Tom Hanks! <laughs> but also, because yeah. I love that movie so much, it's just, like, one of my favorites. And something that I always think about as I'm falling asleep. Um, <laughs> and the other one... I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire, just... Amazing. What a wonderful, bizarre What a strange premise. film. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Jurassic Park with the Jello, Just, like... Yeah. That's can't very beat good. It. My number three is when they, in Goodfellas, slice, uh, when they're cooking in prison, he's like, too, you got too many onions to the sauce. But Paul Sorvino is like slicing, he finds out a method for slicing garlic thin with a razor blade. With a razor blade, yeah. Yeah, I always thought that was very cool. So it melts in the oil. It's very cool. My number two is in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, just basically how Christina Applegate works <laughs> at the corn dog place, and she falls in love with that like hot actor. Who is that guy? He's like a character actor. And then he he was on like um, he's in like everything, and I just don't remember well, who I, he is. I also like I watched that recently and realized I had never seen it all the way through. And I looked up who he was, and I do not remember. He's hot, and I saw him on the street one time, and I just wanted to. I mean, I would never approach a random celebrity on the street, but if I would, if I was that kind of person, I would have said, "I loved you, and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. You're hot. Call that me." Prob- that probably happens to him all the time. You want to pick a different movie. You never want to be like you're fit. First of all, again, I need to. Firmly reiterate, I would never approach a random celebrity or anyone on the street. But the worst thing is when you're like, hey, don't I know you from somewhere? You're famous, aren't you? Like, what an (laughs) awful thing to have someone say to you. It's so awkward for everyone. You have to figure it out together. No. It's crazy. I mean, there's a regular at my restaurant that um, I still swear to God we know each other from somewhere. But she came in. She sat at the bar. And I was like, I feel like I know you from somewhere. And then when it doesn't immediately come to us, I'm like, okay. Name every restaurant that you've ever worked at in your entire life. And then I'm like, where did you go to school? Like, we just, like, do this whole thing where I'm, like, making a joke out of it. Totally. That's, like, a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, she just, like, she came back in actually yesterday. And she was like, you're not from Michigan, are you? And I was like, nope, we still haven't figured it out. (laughs) But we know, she knows it's there, too. But we just, like, can't figure it out. she's like, I'm Julia Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know me, bitch. I'm mad famous. Speaking of Julia Roberts... That's my number one favorite scene oh. from a film, the escargot scene in Pretty Woman, tied with a, a scene that I actually don't like, but it's just so quintessential late 90s films uh, about food and, and film. Film. I should, I, I should say cinema for a movie of this, cate- of this caliber. Yes. American Pie. <laughs> Is that from the 90s? Yeah, it's 1999. Wow. A man fucking a pie. How well, clever. A teenager. How do you even fuck a, man, a pie? A man playing a teenager. A fucking, fucking a pie. A pie. <laughs> <laughs> one man, one teen, one pie. <laughs> I don't understand men out there. If you could please explain. There's no grip on a pie. That's the confusing thing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like matter. It would be like, I don't know, like fucking a salad. Like what's the point of fucking a pie? Well, I don't think, you don't think he actually it. I think he just puts his he's dick inside the warm part and probably uh, comes because he's like a young uh, oh, guy got it, or got something. Oh, got it, got it, got it. All right, mom. Well, if you could uh, <laughs> write <laughs> to, Don't to the show. To listen, this has been a real blast from the past, literally. Oh, John Charles is the boyfriend from... Oh, thank you for looking that up. John Charles, if you're listening, please call me. Also, I, lo- I love you. Don't tell I'm mom, single. The babysitter's that only has 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, so what the hell? Get with it, America. Okay, anyway, sorry. I love you. That was a very fun episode. I had a great time also. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting us uh, infect your brain with the 1990s for the past three weeks in a row. <laughs> 
next next uh, week we're on to the 2000s. Just kidding. Theoretic. We don't know. She's yeah, we have no idea if this show will even <laughs> still be on the air after today. Um, okay, everyone, this was super fun, Nicole. You're the best. Uh, Asta, love freaking pasta. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.